0: Welcome into Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. I'm here in studio with my guy, Mike Renner, Ready to rip it up. Sam Darnold trade. Got to talk about that. What are the Carolina Panthers doing? Did they bet too much on Sam Darnold making the fourth-year leap? We're also going to look at the Pro Day winners and losers. Those Pro Days are officially wrapped up. There might be a few more left, but we're going to look at some of the biggest winners and losers from Pro Day season. And then at the back end of the pod, interviews with Penn State tight end Pat Frymuth and Tennessee wide receiver Josh Palmer. Let's get it. studio after what was another yet another w oh, in yeah. trivia we can't lose we and can't. in this one quinn we have a special treat for you here and this one they asked us two 2021 nfl draft questions and yes. we we're like we're cleaning up no wonder we won we won by like four points which is kind of absurd normally it's like a two three point margin of victory or even and, one and the person who was asking the question act like they had just found out what the nfl draft was true so they, was, were inter- they, were they were they were explaining, explaining a, what draft. players
1: come into the nfl and that's when people first find out about them i'm
0: like This is actually my job. Question one, Mike Quinn. Quinn wasn't with us, by the way. Question one. I'm going to give you three names in the 2021 NFL draft, and you're going to have to tell me if they're actually people, actually real names in the 2021 NFL draft. The first one they gave us. Kendrick. Kendrick. True or false? Real or fake? Kendrick. First name. Kendrick. Last name? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's false. Okay. Good. Good. He's one for one. Next one. WAP. fillure. WAP Failure is from Indiana. That is a real person. Although his uh, legal name is not WAP. I know. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't no, know if you no, get a bonus right. point for that no, or what. You're right. You're right. Last one. Rashad Wild Goose. No. There's a couple Rashads not. Uh, actually, yes. He is. He, yes, is. he is. I did know that. He's he from uh, – do I get a bonus point if I can name the school? Of Absolutely. Course. Ohio State. Nebraska. No, uh, sh- yeah. no, Wisconsin. I Wisconsin. Know, yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You don't even yep. know. I was yep. thinking you a red team. Know. I, was I knew it was uh, Big team. Ten,
2: Big Ten. I knew it was in the Big Ten.
0: Yep. Um and then the last question, the the bonus one they have for us is how many picks within twenty, how many picks are in the twenty twenty one NFL draft? Uh two fifty four. Not bad. You're Close within enough. twenty. It, it was two fifty nine. Two fifty nine, but I contend
1: that it should have been two fifty seven because two of them got forfeited. So you hate to see it. It. All right, let's get but right yeah, into it. We, we got those correct. Yeah, we yep. won. Yeah,
0: yeah, we, we Yeah, it. That's pretty easy trivia. I
2: don't know what kind of easy mode trivia you guys are playing on over there. Well,
1: but. I knew we won, so obviously the other people attending didn't feel the same way.
0: Very true. Easy mode trivia. That's, that's really new, new, a band name or something. Uh, let's talk about the Sam Darnold trade. Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers, pulled a the trigger. Uh, they traded a 2021 second round pick.
1: No. No, 2022. 2021, six-round swap, and then 2022, second and a fourth.
0: Yep. 2021, six-round swap, 2022, second-round pick, and a 2022, fourth-round pick. Got to get that sixth round swap, you know. You have just to. When you can, you have to. What's your initial reaction
1: to this trade? Desperation. What I say desperation stinks, it stinks. It's awful. Uh, it just, they put themselves in this position with the Teddy Bridgewater signing. Yes. They put themselves in that position where you, you went for a quarterback who doesn't have the high end in him, does not, has never had it. He's shown he can play in the NFL. He showed that last year with the Carolina Panthers. He was fine, but you don't have a roster that's close to competing with a fine quarterback. And now, Darnold, maybe he couldn't be higher than that. Like he at USC, his tape was, you know, better than Teddy Bridgewater's at Louisville. There were more of that high end that you chase on his tape there. But again, in the NFL, he's never shown that. And so, my two biggest takeaways one, super massive desperation on the part of the Carolina Panthers. And obviously, the Falcons have told them, no, you're not getting up to four. Um, I'm guessing that means that they don't then, on the whoever they think the fifth quarterback is going to be off the board in this draft, they're not willing to make them that guy, their guy. And so that's why they went with the Darnold route. But I hate it from that perspective. The other perspective, though, is, man, draft quarterbacks high, especially quarterbacks that other people are high on. Yes. you
0: know? <laughs> So, so I, I tweeted that out. I said, you know, if there's anything that you've learned this offseason with Carson Wentz getting traded for a potential first-round pick, Sam Darnold for a second, a few years ago, Josh Rosen for a second round and a fifth-round pick – Draft quarterbacks that teams view highly. Someone's like, "Well, what about the Jordan Love pick? That wasn't a quarterback that teams viewed highly. He was in. Yeah. He got drafted like in the late twenties. Draft- and, and even co- then though. Like I said, it that was their best pick that year because True. he shows anything. Mm-hmm.
1: And all of a sudden, like drafting a guy with that level of like traits, he shows anything. Someone's gonna be like, Ooh, I'll, "I'll trade up."
0: He could be Jimmy G, and Jimmy G was traded for a second Second round round pick. pick. So I do think that, I mean, draft quarterbacks that are ranked highly among the consensus. Like, there are five quarterbacks right now that are rumored to go in the top ten. Draft one. I said this about the Cincinnati Bengals, too. It's like... And I know Quinn's maybe going to attest to this, but like, if there is a quarterback at five, trade down or take him because it's just it's just too much. It's too much value right there. Because what you could have at that quarterback position, again, is just too valuable. Because you also have the hit rate of like this guy could be really damn good. Like you know, people are like, oh, drafting a player, avoiding a future Hall of Famer and Panay Sewell to draft a guy that could be a second-round pick. It's like, no, he also could be a damn good quarterback at the most important position in the NFL. So I think it's very interesting. I think it. My initial reactions were, great business by the Jets. Get out of Sam Darnold, commit to a quarterback at number two overall, whether that's Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whoever you think the second-best quarterback in this class is, commit to him at two and get the most value you can for Sam Darnold. They did. Second-round pick, that is fantastic business for the New York Jets. For Carolina, desperation was the first word I thought of as well. This is a bet on Sam Darnold, the 23-year-old Sam Darnold, and a $23 million guaranteed contract over the next two years that he can take that fourth-year leap, that a year away from Adam Gase, he can be something that everyone thought he could be coming out of USC with Joe Brady. My take is I love the bet. I just don't love the unit size necessarily. You know, like They bet a lot. They put a lot yeah. of chips in here with a second-round pick and all that money when maybe I do like the bet on you know um, moving up to five or trying to get the fifth-best quarterback in this class over Sam Darnold because people are co- comparing the ages, and I think you brought this up, It's like, okay, but you could go get Mac Jones. You could go get Trey Lance. There's similar ages. It's not the ages, it's the contracts. You're going to get four years with a fifth-year option of a rookie quarterback if you draft him inside the top five, top eight, or whatever it may be. With Sam Darnold, you have two years. And after this year, he's going to be looking for a contract extension if he takes that leap you want him to. And paying Sam Darnold on that second contract, market rate, where likely he'll be, if he does improve, a top ten, top twelve paid quarterback. That's the scary part. That's the that's the ROI that will scare you. And I do think that that's where the Carolina Panthers are right now.
1: Yeah, they had so Matt Rule. They gave him like a big deal last year. Like they gave kind of gave him carte blanche. Like he was not, he was never going to be a one and done, two and done sort of head coach with how highly coveted he was within that organization. And it's they're playing their cards like they're they can't bottom out sort of thing. Like they can't they can't. uh they're playing it just too safe, almost. Where it's like we're trying to go eight and eight instead of trying to win a Super Bowl. And I've Scott Fitter, you got a new GM there. That's your first move as GM is to go for Sam Darnold. He could be fine. He he has. It would defy all. Like he would be the outlier in quarterback. He'd development. be a
0: bigger outlier than Josh Allen.
1: Yes, at this point in his career, he could. He could, but he would be a massive outlier. And before points point to Tannehill, like Tannehill had good years prior to then his breakout in Tennessee, but then he obviously bottomed out in Miami by the end of it with injuries and whatnot.
0: I also think the the untold thing about Ryan Tannehill is that, or not untold, but a big factor in that is that that (laughs) offense, (laughs) that offense really cares to his strengths. They run a shitload of play action, and they have obviously lean on Derrick Henry, lean on stuff after the catch. Like it is built for Tannehill to have success, built for him to have success. Is Joe Brady going to be able to do that for, for Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold isn't Joe Burrow. Sam Darnold's not even Teddy Bridgewater. This is a completely different type of quarterback. Consistently inaccurate. The most inaccurate quarterback in the NFL over the past three years. That's not Joe Burrow, and that's not Teddy B. Teddy B is accurate, but not a risk taker. Doesn't have that high end. I know everyone loves the sexy throws Sam Darnold can do, but where's the down-to-down accuracy? It hasn't been there. And I don't think Joe Brady's going to get it out of him, unless this offense really does cater to his strengths, which I don't know what that looks like. What is an offense that caters to Sam Darnold's strengths? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be very interesting. I also I think a, go I
2: ahead. got a question for you guys now hmm. Sam Darnold or Andy Dalton?
0: Ooh, Darnold.
2: Um, you, I know what, Darnold. you know what Andy yeah. Dalton
0: is. At least Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton, the problem with Dalton is he's not a roller coaster. You know what we're getting. And yeah. it's going to be kind of eh. With Sam Darnold, at least he could be completely yeah. garbage and put you in a position to get Spencer Rattler or. He could get this high side of variance and be like a guy you know, that gets you 9-10 wins. Yeah, it's like Andy Dalton's been better than Darnold.
1: I don't, I wouldn't even debate that. Yeah. Like when they've been on the football field, Dalton has been the better quarterback. But Dalton's in his 30s and has never been a quarterback that can lead you anywhere close to it.
0: I, I also had this take on a radio hit right after the Sam Donald trade went through. The worst quarterback in the NFL is a good one. You need a bad one to get you... To the, to be to a prospect, or a great one to get you deep in the postseason. A good quarterback like Dalton, like Kirk Cousins, like Derek Carr, like Jimmy G, like Teddy B, a good quarterback, a, one of the top 15, no, 20 starters or whatever, is not going to get you in a good position to win.
1: You can, though. You just have to know where you're at as a roster. Are you... You know, like if Teddy Bridgewater was on the, the Bears back in 2018... Or the Saints, like when he won five games. Like when you have a... All around one of the top three or four rosters in the NFL, offensively, defensively. That guy could still get you to a Super Bowl with a Super Bowl, possibly. I mean, Jimmy G was one throw away.
0: But like, is that, that the goal?
1: I, I'm just saying it's not the goal, but if that's where you're as a roster, you, then you can make that move. Yeah. And I'm not going to argue it because there is still that desperation play. There's not, there is not a lot, there is not
0: still enough quarterback talent to go around for everybody. I do think that, okay, so I'm going to reclarify. Uh, if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, then there's a lot of ways to win a Super Bowl. You know, you can get a good quarterback, build a good roster, do the Jimmy G situation where they go all the way to the Super Bowl and then narrowly miss winning that football game. You know, Mm -hmm. you you can do that. However, if your goal is to consistently win Super Bowls or consistently be competing for Super Bowls, you need a great QB. You need an Aaron Rodgers. You need a Tom Brady. You need a Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. You need one of those guys at the top of the game. Uh, And I don't want any of those other guys. I do think the interesting
1: thing here, though, in this conversation, to now move off of San Donald trade, do the Panthers, could they still go quarterback? Yes. Because I would actually like this trade then if they still get a Trey Lance. I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Like this is actually, their approach is, in my opinion, the correct approach, which is darts. and darts, you get three darts. Yes. This would be their third. Like you take as many shots at the quarterback position. The the Seahawks drafted Russell Wilson right after they signed Matt Flynn. If that's what your approach is here, learning from the fact that like, you need a guy to win the NFL. You just saw that last year with Teddy Bridgewater. Take all the opportunities given, whether it's trade, free agency, draft, explore every avenue until you know for sure you got that guy. If they do still draft quarterback, I'll be I'll change my tune completely. I'll say oh I'm all in on this move.
0: Would you trade up to go get a quarterback though? At this point,
1: at this point, you're really costing yourself capital. But if like Lance say is, the Bengals at five. If Lance is, yeah, available at five, I'd be down.
0: Really? Yeah. So I I think it would be tough to go up. I'm definitely all for them taking another quarterback, especially if a Fields or Lance falls to eight, which if you look at later, like some of the latest mock drafts from some of these guys, yeah. like or like Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, you're seeing a Lance or a Fields fall as, as far as eight, which I think would be absolutely criminal for the Denver Broncos and the England Patriots to let that happen. If you let a Fields or a Lance fall to the Panthers at eight, that's on you. You should be looking to trade up with Detroit, Miami at six, or Bengals at five, or Atlanta at four. The, the, if Denver goes into the 2021 NFL season with Drew Locke as their starter, Brett Ripon as their backup, hmm. in a in a class, they're gonna trade up to four. They're, they're going to trade up. I, uh, that's I what I'm saying. It, but if yeah. they don't, if they don't, if Carolina's sitting there like, oh, wow, we can still get Lancer Fields, absolutely you turn the card in with another quarterback because you need to continue to take darts. And if you think Sam Dar- – if you were a Sam Darnold away – from solving the quarterback position on your team, you're wrong. You, if, if, you, if you think that as a GM, you're wrong. So definitely interested to see what the Carolina Panthers do. I definitely think it shakes things up. What a draft, though, man. This, this
1: year's top 10 is going to be
0: Insanity. fucking amazing. Insanity, I love it. man. I, I mean, I, I do think that five quarterbacks go inside the top seven picks. I think five quarterbacks go in the top seven. Record-breaking. That would be sick. And I do think that if they don't, Carolina needs to take quarterback. Absolutely needs to take quarterback. All right, let's go ahead and jump now to the meat of the podcast today. Winners and losers from Pro Days. Um, Before we start, your overall thought on Pro Day measurables, Pro Day times, all that type of stuff. It's a polarizing topic. Some people want to completely throw them out the window. Some people want to take them in wholeheartedly. What is your take? So my
1: thing is if their jumps don't match the testing or like if they're if they got if they blaze a four three and then they jump in thirty two inches and they have a ten foot broad jump, it's like that you, that something doesn't add up there. So I I put more stock in the jumps. Those are harder to fake. I mean, it should feasibly be impossible to fake those jumps uh, based off of you know they're actually hitting number like measured numbers and not necessarily a stopwatch. But I do think there is still on the outlier ends on both sides. There's some value to these. So that's why these guys should actually, on both sides, like I said, these should be impactful numbers to your stock on these players, unless you were
0: rightfully or low or high on either of them before. Let's start with the biggest winner. Biggest Jason, winner. Jason Owe, Penn State edge vendor, turned in what you've called my God. one of the most freaky athletic pro days we've ever seen.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not a number in this that isn't, holy shit worthy. He four three nine four. So six first off, a shade under six five, 257 pounds with 34 and a half inch arms. Built the way you'd put together a defensive end. 82 inch wing. absurd. 43940. 39 and a half inch vertical. 112 broad jump. The broad jump and the 40 by the way, the fastest and or longest and fastest. Ever for a defensive lineman. Four one five short shuttle, which insane if that like out of this world short shuttle, and that's not even close to his best number. Six eight four three cone. And then twenty-one bench reps, which twenty one bench reps, whatever, not absurd, but still very good for a defensive end. The six eight four three cone's the one where it's just like this guy all around, everything athlete.
0: Wants Once-
1: you so much in the door. Like we kinda knew it going in, but I think that's just reinforces that there's not a thing about the position that isn't physically that he can't do just now learning football.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he hasn't played football for a long time, right? I mean, he yeah. didn't start playing football until twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Also one five nine, ten yard split, which anything under the one sixes is filthy.
1: You're like a wide receiver at
0: that. Yeah, point. that that is That is really impressive numbers. Where do you think he ultimately goes in the 2021 NFL draft? Do you think he has a chance to be the first edge off the board, maybe go ahead of Quidipe? Or if not, what range do you think he comes off the board?
1: That one's tough. I don't think he goes ahead of Quidipe because Quidipe didn't make this list, but that was purely because the numbers crunched and the fact that he didn't end up doing the cone and shuttle, which were supposed to be his drills. So. Quiddy Pay, like I said, 36 bench press reps. He absolutely just dominated his pro day, 457 at 261 pounds. That guy's a monster. But I don't think he goes ahead of Quiddy Pay, but I do think somewhere in the early 20s, he's coming off the board. That's Indy, Cleveland.
0: I kind of like if Quiddy Pay is off the board at just- 17, Las Vegas. Who? Go get Owe, man. What what they thought Arden Key could be? Yeah, and then you have yeah Oway. Arden
1: Key was two hundred thirty four pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guy. they wanted yeah, him to I be
0: sub package guy. Yeah, you have Oway, Unique and Gakway. You kick Cleveland Furl inside. Cross, Max Crosby can be a rotational piece. Yeah, Maurice Hurst there. Jonathan Hankins resigned. I mean, I start to get a little bit excited about that defensive line. Dare dare I get excited? Dare I get excited? Um...
1: You can get excited. You're probably gonna be disappointed, but you can still get excited.
0: Very true. All right, let's go to. We're gonna go winner and then a loser, and we're gonna go back and forth, back and forth. Loser. One of the bigger losers from his pro day. Two Atwell of Louisville, oh man. Comes in at what five foot eight, close to five foot nine, 155 pounds, and only a 442 40 yard dash at 155 pounds. That is tied for the lightest any receiver, any player in the NFL has weighed in at a Combiner pro day since 1999.
1: 155. Is it JJ Nelson the other one? Yeah. And, like, watching J.J. Nelson try to play football was, like, just tough. You you can't do things that normal
0: guys can do.
1: You can't be a wide receiver.
0: He had a 33-inch vert, 117-inch broad, 414 short shuttle, and then a 6893 cone, which is slower than what Jason Owe did at 257 pounds. Again, you need to be an absolute blur if you're 155 pounds in the NFL. Like, you need to be running a 6'4", 3-cone, a sub-4 short shuttle, and 4'2s in the 40. That's where you need to be if you're going to be that light in the NFL.
1: Yes. Yes. Like, the 155 pounds means you cannot, again, you cannot do normal wide receiver things. Give Devontae Smith has 15 pounds on him still, and Devontae Smith looks like, you know, there's massive concerns about him and his weight. So, I mean, honestly, he could have stopped after the height weight. As soon as he weighed in, I don't know what you're gonna do with that guy. Like, he is a pure gadget player at the next level, and four four two speed is not. If if you ran sub, you know, runs low four twos, yeah, we could talk. Like that guy's scheme free release, and that speed still can play, but that's not. That's What's not wild what the to does. me that's is we're still
0: is. seeing like ESPN's Ty McShea has. Um, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, recent episode, which is awesome. Yeah, You know what? The thing we didn't bring up about the Sam Darnold trade, he brought up how much he knew Carolina wanted to make an upgrade to quarterback position. He said a stat that was in the decision-makers' heads was they lost eight games by one score. And, like, we were that close. We were quarterback winning. I think, and,
1: and it was brutal to watch Teddy try to, like, win those games. Come back. Yeah, like, him trying to lead those two-minute drives was just dink, dink, dunk. Nothing over the top.
0: Yeah. All right. Um... What I was going to say was we're still seeing Tom McShay has him in his top 40. I think Mel Kuyper Jr. has him ranked ahead of Rashad Bateman. You know, like you're still seeing – some of the ESPN guys are still high on Tutu Atwell. I don't see him coming off the board until day three. Do you take a Tutu Atwell on day two? It should be tough to do. I I, I don't foresee – that happening. Because if you take him in the second or third round, I mean you're you're investing in him. You're gonna to want to put him on the football field. You're gonna to want to scheme him targets. And I just don't know if scheming him 30 to 40 targets in your offense is the best use of those plays. So I don't know. JJ Nelson, the closest comp, perfect comp also, by the way, 2015.
1: He was the fifth round pick. He also, though, ran a four two eight at the combine. Yeah. Had a ten seven broad and a thirty six inch vertical. Definitely better explosive numbers. But he was five ten, one fifty six. He had a one 10 split. Like, I was lightning. Yeah. That was fun for, like, a year in Bruce Aarons' offense. And then it was just like, oh, wait, he actually isn't the NFL receiver.
0: All right. Let's get back to the winners here. Linebacker Baron Browning of Ohio State. He put up some really good My numbers God. and came up the big board pretty decently. Yes.
1: So, 40. So, first off, 6'2", 245. Mm, perfect off-ball linebacker size. That do-it-all size. 4'5", 140. But then again, not fake. Doesn't. Feel fake because he had a 40-inch vertical and then a 10-10 broad jump. Those are elite jumps, explosives numbers. And then 33-and-a-half-inch arms and a 6-7-8-3 cone. Yeah, those are all-encompassing. That's an elite pro day. It's about as elite a pro day as you'll see. It's why it's a better pro day than you know Micah Parsons. from Parsons may have ran a little faster, but from like what you want, off-ball linebacker, that is it. I think he moves to the edge. Those are numbers that if you told me that's an edge defender, that's what you want that's exactly what you want length size even can play at 245 his most impressive tape comes when he's just rushing ot's one-on-one i think that's if i'm drafting baron browning i at least have a plan to get him doing that the majority of the time rushing the passer
0: there you have it i mean i i do think that so baron browning right now where does he rank for you uh, among off ball linebackers
1: that's the thing. It's like I honestly see him more as an edge rusher. Off-ball linebackers, not high. Maybe scraping the top ten.
0: We got to get him on the pod. Talk to him about what teams but I see him
1: as. Do think as an edge, I'll take that guy in the third round for sure. I'll tr- take that chance.
0: We're gonna make a push for Baron Browning on the pod. See what NFL teams see him playing at in the NFL. I'm excited about that. All right, back to the losers column here. Unfortunately, Paris Ford. This was an early starting on This one already. This one's tough. Came in at what six flat. Six, Six foot five. flat, 197 pounds, and ran a 48540. Stop, stop the Pro Day, stop the Pro Day, leave, go, yeah. run. 485 40, 40, 197 pounds. I don't even know what happened. And again, it's not fake.
1: I mean, it's hard to fake the slow end also, but because you had a 28 and a half inch vertical and a nine foot two broad jump. I want to go out right now and I could just, I said I was built right, Rashad Bateman on the last pod. I am athletic as Paris Ford. I can do those numbers. You I can't d- run a
0: 485.
1: I couldn't definitely, oh.
0: Didn't you run a 40- forty-two? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a 4.8. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: And a 28.5-inch vertical is not high. That guy may not be able to dunk.
0: That's tough. That's and tough. A 7.653 comb. Yeah. That's a full second faster than like what Jason Oway did. <laughs> Slower, you mean. Slower, yeah. sorry. That's insane. My God. Yeah, it's just. Either Does, he even, get, he, does he even get drafted?
1: I don't know. He might not. That's Those are just abysmal numbers. That I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't,
0: sadly. And he opted out of the 2020 season after playing a handful of reps and not playing that well, too. <laughs> I say, he opted out. He did my favorite. You know
1: what? We lost three games in a row. Think I'm going to opt out.
0: Brutal, man. That's brutal. All right, uh, back to the winners here. Milton Williams, D- uh, defensive tackle, Louisiana Tech. Uh, sh- a PFF guy, too. Like He graded really well in, yeah. true pa- in true pass set situations. He was one of the better pass rush win rate guys uh, on the interior. I'm a big fan. I think Mel Kuyper Jr. sees him as an edge defender, um, but we'll see about that. 6'3, 284, a 4.62, 40 yard dash, one six five ten 10 time at 284. Let me remind you 38 and a half inch vert, 121, uh, like what, a 10 one inch broad, 34 yeah. reps on the bench, 6.87, three cone. This guy was cleaning up. Yes.
1: So, the, again, 4.62. You might not believe it, but when a dude, 284 pounds, jumps 38 and a half inches, that's real. That like that level of explosiveness is real. Now to compare, I'm not saying this, but to compare, Aaron Donald comes in 6'1, 285. He ran a 469. Now that was at the combine. Milton Williams 462. Similar range. Aaron Donald at 35 bench press reps. Milton Williams 34. Aaron Donald 32 inch vertical. Milton Williams thirty eight and a half. Broad jump for Aaron Donald, nine foot eight. for Milton Williams. Like these numbers, twenty-yard shuttle for Donald, four three nine. Milton Williams did a 425. And then six, eight, seven, three comes the best ever for a defensive tackle that we've got collated in our database. That was an all time combine. Pro day, sorry. I I would not be surprised if this guy goes to like top fifty. Really? With those traits. Like that. what's the is... biggest
0: con for him right now? Is it the inconsistency?
1: Yeah, I mean it's just the limited amount of good tape. Like towards the end of 2020, that's when you really started turning it on. But the interesting thing about him is he's gained like forty pounds. A guy who completely remade his body, like just turned into a different player. Like he played on the edge early in his career at Louisiana Tech, got bigger, and so you know, the arrow is pointed upwards for this guy. And obviously, the level of competition didn't play much in the way of good offensive lines. But man, he was dominant by the end of the year. I'm he's a top seventy-five player in PFF board right now. Big fan. That's right. that level of tools is legitimately rare.
0: I mean, Aaron Donald levels of rare. Yeah, that's that's where Milton Williams, that's the territory is in. I mean, I think that's where I want to have the conversation with him. Like, why weren't you dominating? Why weren't you absolutely crushing at Louisiana Tech? What? Because that's we've talked about this before. When you have a guy who's an absolute freak of an athlete, Mm -hmm. the number one question is why? You know, why wasn't he productive? You asked the same questions about Rashawn Gary a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, you're in Michigan and Chase Winovich was more productive than you. Why was it how they were playing you? Was it off field? Was it? Just lack of motivation. We need to figure out why it happened so we can avoid that in the NFL. Because if we're going to draft you, we're going to want it 100%. We're going to want production that you could have had at Louisiana Tech.
1: So Milton Williams goes from a 72.6 overall grade in 2019 to a 90.8 this past year. 89.7 pass rush grade, 88.4 run defense grade. A different dude altogether. Kind of amazing to watch. I'm very curious. like Very interested to see where he goes one and then kind of what he looks like the next level.
0: All right. Back to the losers here. This one's been talked about a decent amount. I'm actually going to jump to the next Pittsburgh guy. We should have put these together, but Jalen Twyman also ran at the Pittsburgh Pro Day, six foot one, 301, a 5'4 40 time. I'll stop there. 5'4 at 301 pounds, a 17'4 10 time. That he still managed, though, at 301 pounds to have a higher vertical than Paris Ford <laughs> at 32 and a half inches. That's insane. But eight the, second three cone? And then the
1: other one's the eight second three cone where that was my biggest worry with him is he on tape looked about 275-280 noticeably slim on tape even for a college DT so he gets the weight up over the year of opting out like makes that an emphasis i need to get to defense tax size cuz you really can't play you got to be 285 or so if you want to be a 3 tech in the NFL even even if you're Aaron Downs you know Aaron Downs 285 that's everyone talks about how small he is that's what he had to get to got his weight up lost the athleticism any sort of any semblance of it now the 40 bench press reps great awesome that's just he doesn't play with power like that wasn't who he was on tape he won with his quickness and when you win with quickness and you run a five four and have an eight second three cone that's that's a it's a bad sign
0: i still don't Project. know we said this right when it happened why the agent let him run that both both, yeah. both Ford, why why twyman and Ford both yeah ran. they had
1: six months a year and a half for twyman six months for Ford, of training for these drills. Oh, yeah,
0: because Twyman was also an opt-out.
1: Yeah. And, God, you, and that's he what he did. He just only
0: benched. He was <laughs> just just absolutely he was he, in the gym. He was
1: that guy that you see with, like, twigs for legs in the gym who's just all upper body, who just fell in
0: love with uh, the bench press. Dude, you just kept seeing the refs go up, dude. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, 225, God. I can do 40. That's, yeah. that's incredible. All right, back to the winners here. Sam Cosme of Texas. Dude, I, all-star pro day. Came in, what, six-foot – Almost six foot six, six a little under six foot six, three fourteen, four eight, four forty, faster than Paris Ford at three hundred and fourteen pounds. Over over 110, 115 pounds heavier than Paris Ford. Thirty-six reps on the bench, which is very good. Insane. Very good. And thirty-three inch arms, which is because people had people had problems with you know his strength. And I think a lot of that's his lower Ford's half. Anchor, yeah, 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 yeah. His lower half, but still thirty-six reps on the bench, thirty-inch vert, hundred and seventeen inch broad, four three nine short shuttle. 739 735 Cone. This was this was a really really good pro day for Sam. Kyle. I don't think he gets out of the first round. I, I don't so
1: either. This was a more impressive. We talked about last year going in. Um, his names eluding me. Boise State offensive lineman Ezra Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland about how you know the tape wasn't exceptional, but when you have the level you put up the level of combine that he did and the change direction drills, explosive drills, all that stuff. We think it's going to get you in the conversation, and he looked good. You're one at guard for the Vikings. Obviously, better than whatever else they were fucking trotting out there at guard. But Cosme's tape is it legitimately, you know, on any other level from even as Cleveland's, and he tested out, at and he was playing calendar. in a bigger conference. Yeah. He saw more top level competition. So I do think he ends up going in the first round.
0: I mean, he's one of the best pass-protecting offensive tackles over the past two years. Like, he's been up there with Panay Sol. He's been up there with, with, with Rashawn Slater, with Tristan Wirfs. If you look at on true pass sets, when you remove RPOs, play action, and screens, he is in the top five over the past two seasons, 2019 and 2020. You know, that I do think, man, coming back to see, he's also played a shitload. I think he was on yesterday's episode. I had, we played that interview on yesterday's episode. Dude, he he talks about his experience. He talks about, "Hey, I've played over 3000 snaps. I haven't missed it down since I started at Texas." And availability, all that stuff, and he talks a little bit about about how you stay healthy. It's what you put in your body. It's how often you're how often you're stretching, how often you're doing these different things. Cosme, man, I I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his game. I don't think if he gets past Kansas City at 31, I, I would impressive. be absolutely floored.
1: Want to give a shout out. We obviously tried to kick around the positions here in the top 10, but there were a lot of legit offensive line pro days. Shout out to Dylan Radens also, who had six five three zero four, came with thirty four inch arms, then a nine foot five broad jump, that's ninety second percentile, four five three short shuttle, eighty eighth percentile, and then a seven seven two seven cone. That guy, again, in the building with those change of direction drills and his explosiveness numbers, thirty two inch vertical. He put together a nice little pro day. I think he's. In the first round mix as well.
0: Creed Humphrey of Oklahoma had a damn good pro day. Kendrick okay, i was gonna Green. gonna touch on him when we get to. Oh,
1: sorry. Offensive lineman later. Oh. That's on me. That's yeah, on it me. Is. That That's is on me. me.
0: Um, I'm gonna jump to now a loser here, a, a, an offensive lineman that didn't have the pro day maybe people expected. Jalen Mayfield, Jalen Mayfield of Michigan, um, came in at six foot five, 326, five three twenty six, a five-three-one yard dash, just a twenty eight and a half inch vert, ninety six inch broad, that sub one hundred inch broad. Hate to see it. Four nine one shuttle, seven That's eight a six. Nine comb. foot broad. Sub nine foot. Broad. Sub nine foot. Not not what you like to see. Exactly.
1: And so when you're as an athletic project, as we talked about with Gregory Rousseau, when that's your kind of your hype surrounding is you, you, what you can do athletically and physically, the tools you bring to the table. And then you test like a guy who's not particularly athletic. And, and I get that he's on the bigger side for the, I would say, guard position with uh how the nfl will see him at 65 326 with under 33 inch arms i think he's gonna be a guard next level when you when that's your sort of claim you better test out well athletically or at least like above average and the only thing he had tested in above the 50th percentile the only measurable he put out there is his weight 326 that's the only thing that was above fiftieth percentile for offensive line
0: that's concerning yeah do you think he ultimately gets kicked in the guard and falls today too
1: Oh yeah, I can't foresee him going day one. With not only him, but then the rest of the other interior offensive line class and tackle class, how they tested this spring, I can't, I can't imagine drafting day one.
0: Back to the winners here, Jamin Davis, Kentucky linebacker. Big fan of what this guy put on. I mean, what six yeah, foot man. three, two thirty four, 40 yard dash, forty two inch vert. That is, these are some money numbers, too. Ranking inside what, the 90th percentile for all of those things? That was, mm-hmm. Jamin Davis said, Hey, what's up? I'm an athlete, too. I think I was talking to someone recently about Jamin Davis. It's like, it compare him, hello. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, you compare him to Mike Parsons from an athlete perspective, and like, there's not key and obvious differences. I think the difference really is that he didn't, you know, one year starting at Kentucky, he just hasn't played as much good football as Micah Parsons has. Mm-hmm. Jamin Davis, I think, is more of a project than maybe people are letting on to be. But the back, I think he could go at the back end of the first, if not top of day two. Like Jamin Davis, top 50, top 45 type of player.
1: Yes, and, and again, it goes back to that is what NFL teams want. They want speed, explosiveness at the linebacker position. That's where they're going to draft highly because that that's your difference makers. That's what those guys have is they move like cornerbacks. Those are cornerback numbers that he put up. Tied for the highest vertical ever with... At the linebacker position, who had it prior? Do you know? No, I don't. Boss Bailey, Champ Bailey's brother, the failed. I have no idea. I had no idea that. Oh come on, that was back in the day. I remember that.
0: All one. name team too. All Boss Bailey. Team. Boss Bailey is
1: dope the, as hell. Champ Bailey had a forty-six inch vertical himself. Those were those are some bloodlines. I want to be a Bailey when I grow up. I want to be a Bailey. <laughs> but Jam Davis, that is the physical skill set. Now he curiously doesn't do the shuttle or the three cone. What are you trying to hide, Jammin? We know. We see you. We see you putting up those numbers. If you don't run,
0: if you run everything but your short shuttle and cone, you're a little concerned about the change of direction drills. That
1: was Bud Dupree coming out. He's just like,
0: I was also James Wiggins of Cincinnati, who put on a really explosive day, broad vert, 40. He's like, well, can't run the cone. I'm tired now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) When you jump that high, you get tired. But yeah, I I think Davis put himself in the first round conversation. Fair enough. There you
0: go. All right, let's get to a loser here. Gregory Rousseau, Miami, Florida. Yeah. Came in tall, <laughs> came in long, and that's about it. No explosiveness, no change of direction. I mean, four, four, five short shuttle, seven five, three cone. I mean, Jalen Phillips objectively had a better pro day than Gregory Rousseau. And some people were surprised by that. Jalen Phillips is the better athlete through and through. I mean, he's just a better movement skills than Gregory Rousseau. And honestly, he also did have big hands. Eleven inch hands, though. Gotta give him that. Those oh, are big I didn't see that. Uh, those, are mo- those are mitts. Those
1: are Parsons-esque. Those are... All JJ right. Watt had like 11 and 8, though. If we're going deep in the game. Those are... I were, can't imagine having hands that large.
0: Just My God. One. All right, Gregory Rousseau. Yeah. So, big faller also. I think a lot of people are seeing him now back into the first, if not day two. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes day two. You're, you're debating between... It's
1: like the Mayfield conversation. You're debating between a lot of guys who are very freaky and unpolished. Give me... Give me the freaky, one. You know, give me yeah, the guys yeah. who are the better athletes at that And point. you're not going to
0: find too many players more unpolished than Rousseau. I mean, he's was, one yeah. season, one season, redshirt freshman season at Miami, Florida, and didn't even play like one single position. One like, season, one like swim
1: move that he fucking pwned guards with.
0: Florida State guards, too. The Florida State tape is like the one where like, oh man, what is this? And yeah. then a lot of the other tape, you're not super excited about it, but... Now that the movement skills aren't as rare as some of the other projects in this class and honestly i don't love even the levels of polish he's at like i i don't love the experience it's it's going to be hard to really say like this is the first round pick we want when there's a ton of other guys in this class that obviously you could probably take ahead of them
1: yeah and it sucks for him because obviously he could have come back this past year and put some legit stuff on tape but he opted out for you know family reasons and didn't get to do that and now like, if he came back and was the single best pass rusher in the country, I don't think it would matter. No. You know, like, if it was hands down, game in, game out, those test Chase numbers, you're little. just like, eh. That's unfortunate, but the tape is what it is, and that frame still does a lot of work. Like, when you are that long with at his size, it still makes life easier for you. You don't necessarily have to be the most fleet of foot, but at this point, he didn't do that, so i can't i can't see drafting in the first round
0: jumping back up to the winners let's talk jalen phillips
1: yeah jalen phillips it, it was everyone knew it was like it wasn't really a secret that he was going to test well but his was more every single drill across the board almost just like a poor man's oa in every drill were four five six40 36 inch for 10 five broad 4 one 3 shuttle 7.101 cone just all solid numbers, and that's the profile. Like, that's what you want on the edge, a guy who can win in a number of different ways, whether it's his burst, whether it's his ability to change directions, his agility, his ability to bend the edge, that cone. He's got it, and he's got the length at over 33-inch arms. Very solid, all-around profile. And he's, in terms of just, like, who put the best pass rushing tape this past year? Aziz Ojolari. Of, like, the top ish guys. Yeah. Caesar so O'Julari, and then he's second at Phillips. And he's got
0: much better, sort of, physical. You know who I put at third on that list? Rashad Weaver. Yeah. He put some really good pass rush moves, pass rush wins on his tape this past year. Yeah. And, and if you look at P- PFF pass rush rune rate on those two pass sets, you see Phillips, Weaver, O'Julari uh, up there ranking highly. And I think Phillips, man, not just he's got more polish than Rousseau does. At this point, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump now back to the losers going to Marvin Wilson of Florida State man former five-star big monster what almost six foot 6 hundred three pounds five one two40 yard dash is not going to be good nearly a one eight ten time one seven eight ten time yikes 25 and inch vertical oh yikes Four nine one short shuttle and seven six four three cone. like just not an athlete. Like I'm sorry. He's not even what above fifty above fifty fifth percentile as an athlete. Like that's just not who he is. Not even a nine foot broad jump. Just not good.
1: And that's the thing. It, he he got his weight down to try to test better too. You know, he played listed at like three nineteen Florida State, goes three oh three at his pro day and still looking like that. Yeah, he might. He he did not do he did not do the Derek Brown rise up draft boards that he was hoping by coming back for a senior year. This that's he may fall to day three after tape or after tape he put out in the testing he had.
0: How bad is this defensive tackle class, man? It's not
1: good, man. I like I said, it reminds me of last year's tight end class where it's I'll just take one in the fourth round. if you really need one, take one then. Because every other guy seemingly is just gonna get overvalued, I think.
0: All right. Guy, we're talking to today, where I'm talking to today, Marco Wilson of Florida, had himself a very good pro day. My God, did he? Yeah. Coming in what? 5'11 and a half, 191, 4'37 40 yard dash, 43 and a half inch vert, 136 inch broad, 4'13 short shuttle, 6'8 three cone, 6'8 flat, by the way, 6'8 flat three cone. That is Those are really, really good numbers for Marco Wilson.
1: Legit all around athleticism, explosive numbers. And you didn't even say the 26. 26- Bench reps, he did. Oh, I passed that up. the yeah. most ever for a cornerback. and That's a hoss. That's a hoss. And this guy was starting as a true freshman over C.J. Henderson at Florida. They both came to the same recruiting class. Marco Wilson was the one starting before C.J. Henderson. Now, there are very serious on-field concerns with the way he plays the game. Obviously, the shoe throw this past year. Highlight chief among them. The boneheaded plays are left and right on his tape he is about as inconsistent as it gets those physical tools man you give him a simple assignment you tell him to play man coverage i think you're gonna see just let him do that i think those are the teams that are gonna covet this guy because those are those are as good as it gets numbers.
0: Some shortish some shortish arms though, 3075 30, 30. inch arms and a yeah. seventy three and a half inch wingspan. A little bit short arms uh for outside corner, but still. Um I'm interested to talk to him today. I'm gonna bring up some bring up some questions. Ask him about the shoe stuff, ask him about some of this on field stuff. How are you approaching these questions with NFL teams? Do you think he's a shoe in for day two?
1: Jesus Christ. Well done. I don't think he's a shoe in. That's what the like that's how bad the tape is, sadly.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But All right. Back? He could.
1: It would not surprise me if he goes there, right. too. Who was the Houston cornerback a couple years ago that the Raiders drafted?
0: Uh, uh, DJ Hayden. Nope.
1: Other Houston cornerback
0: they drafted. Oh. Uh, Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah Johnson. Isaiah Johnson.
1: Where Did they draft him in the third?
0: Yeah. And I could
1: see him going third. Fair enough. Very similar, sort of. Just like that guy needs to change the way he plays
0: cornerback entirely. But the man is a freak athlete. So All right. I'm going to lump some of these losers together here. we got to move a little bit more quickly. Demonte Coxie of Memphis. Jamie and Sherwood, Auburn, the safety. Brevin Jordan, tight end, Miami, Florida. And then you have running back Larry Roundtree of Missouri. All four listed God, as not kidding about lumping those all together.
1: Yeah, so Coxie, 477 One of the slowest 40s you'll see. 30 and a half inch vertical. At 198 pounds. At 198 pounds. That's just. And four, only four bench reps, too. Slow, not strong,
0: and unexplosive. I can do four
1: bench reps. He could do four, Ben. Mike Mike could do four.
0: 225? Benches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I could do, in my heyday, I could do like eight. That's just,
1: I, I don't see how it gets you. With like 16-inch of... arms. <laughs> <laughs> what is your arm like? You I, no you I bet that? you it's
0: like like 25. I, there's No, no way. there's
1: no way. People have. You're probably like 27, 28. Like, even like the F- Rondell
0: Moores of the world are like 28 inches. Hand size is like 12 and a half.
1: <laughs> um, to all my female listeners out there but jamie and sherwood he was a guy who's and again build as an athlete. like you watch his tape and he is explosive he comes downhill this calling card is the way he lights up all cares lights up blocks plays a physical game and then a four seven five forty. you know he is on the big end for a safety the auburn safety two hundred sixteen pounds but man thought he'd be better he's got the body to play like safety. He might just have to switch to linebacker, though, after that. He did have a good vertical, though, 36-inch vertical, good broad jump. I will be curious to see if someone, if that's where he, I, bet he be yeah, he, I bet he ends up. has got to be a full-time box player. Yeah, I bet he ends up at linebacker in the NFL. He's a guy who probably could make that switch. Brevin Jordan, got a guy who's billed as the athletic project tight end in this class. Now he's another guy who obviously got tried to get his weight up. The Miami tight end came in at 247 pounds, plays on his tape, looks about like 235, 240. Did not look 247 pounds. So that was obviously an emphasis for him, but he comes in with a 4'6'9 40, 31-inch vertical, under 10-foot broad jump. That's not an athletic tight end. That is not a project tight end. That is not doing anything for you at the NFL level, to be honest. And then Larry Roundtree. Honestly, I wasn't high on him. I was surprised that a lot of people were high on him coming in, just having watched his tape. If you watch him try to square up a linebacker in the hole, gets his ass kicked. And at 211 pounds... I'm like, holy shit, like you got to have a little bit more than that to play in the NFL. And the reason why, is well, because he runs a 4-7 and has a 36-inch vertical and only a 9-foot broad jump. That's just not explosive. Not 36, 30 flat. 30 flat, 30-inch 30 vertical, and then a 9-foot broad jump. That is not an explosive running back, sadly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he
0: doesn't get drafted either. Here. All right, last couple names here for the winners. You have um, Elijah Moore of Ole Miss, a guy that's r- risen up draft boards a time. God, yeah, he has what? 178 pounds. What? Five foot nine ish. Yeah, five foot nine ish. 178 pounds. 17 bench reps. 36 inch vert. 10 foot broad. And a four second flat short shuttle, baby. Six 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 three cone. The devil's three cone. The devil's three cone. You love the, to see the that. one I love is the 17 bench
1: press reps. So he doesn't have super short arms, over thirty inches, despite only being five nine. And to do 17 bench reps, that is that's a well built, that's like a mini AJ Brown right there. That's what you're working with, with Elijah Moore. Go get yourself a mini AJ Brown NFL. I'm I think you can play Wouldn't in the you outside. Play him in the, yeah, yeah. I, I think he can play in the outside at that size with that like the how strong he is with those numbers. I think he can be an outside wide receiver in the NFL. And that's
0: dude, i I'm telling I've said this for what? How many podcasts have I said this? If the Green Bay Packers pass on Elijah Moore at twenty nine. And he's there. That, I just don't get it. It's a bit. It's a bit. They're like, oh yeah, we're not drafting first round receivers. We don't do it. It's like Elijah Moore at 29. I'm in. I'm all in. I think he compliments Devontae Adams so well. He's very good. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just I, I'm in. I'm in on Elijah Moore at 29. I don't yes. think he should get past there. If he falls today two, it's a freaking farce. It's a farce. Farce. Farce cool. a cool. All right. One more, or uh, two more winners here. Kendrick Green of Illinois guy. We've talked about a ton on this podcast, probably more than any other draft podcast. Kendrick Green's our guy. And then Elijah Mitchell, running back of Louisiana.
1: Yeah. Kenneth Green put up show show numbers, stupid 30, numbers. Thirty-six inch vertical, nine eleven broad jump, farthest ever for an interior offensive lineman. Twenty-five bench press reps, a four eight five forty. That guy can explode off the line of scrimmage. Now, doesn't have the greatest length combination. He's probably a center, but this guy is your athletic zone center to a T. That I, you want. This is one of the setters you want in this draft class. Round three, chalk it up. Then Eliza Mitchell. Did you say that one? Yeah. yeah, Eliza Mitchell, Louisiana running back. Not a lot of athlete, not a lot of great testing from this running back class. I don't like. I don't think it's a great super deep class. After those top three guys, you got a few names that I would interspersed. Michael Carter, Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon, Khalil Herbert, Khalil Herbert. They're like fine. Elijah Mitchell is like if you're taking a late round project, this is the one you want because he I still has like Javien
0: Hawkins. I like the Iowa kid too. Hawkins didn't there. test that well actually.
1: He ran like a four four six. Did he really? But, yeah. Elijah Mitchell four three eight, thirty seven and a half inch vertical, ten foot eight broad jump, sub seven three cone, seventeen bench reps. That's the profile of athleticism neck worked in the NFL eleven. He actually played well at Louisiana grades over 80 every single year as a starter three years as a starter split time with trey ragas there who's probably gonna get drafted also you feel good about a guy who breaks tackles at that level and pr- plays well when they are a plus athlete and that work in the nfl when they're not a plus athlete that's when you get worried so elijah mitchell Job well done.
0: Love to see it. That is the full list of Pro Day's winners, and, Pro Day winners and losers. You can check out that full article on pff.com from Mike Renner. Awesome stuff. I'm excited to stop looking every single day for updated Pro Day numbers. I'm excited that we all have them in the books. Normally we have those at the combine, but here we are. Here we are. All right, let's go ahead and now jump to um, our interviews here. We have interviews with Pat Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth, of Penn State and Josh Palmer. Tennessee, I love the Josh Palmer review. Very good one. Make sure to tune in um, right now. <sighs> now joining 2-4 drafts is former Penn State tight end Pat Fryermuth, making some time for us here today after his Penn State Pro Day. Pat, how you doing?
3: Hey, good. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing well, man. Just, you know, out here in Cincinnati, living the freaking dream here. Weather isn't that great. It was been it was 70 yesterday, now it's 50. That just that's just Cincinnati weather for you, man. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just up and down. I'm originally from California. So I I, mm. I guess I got uh things are just aren't as good here. But I want to talk more about Penn State Pro Day. Obviously, weren't able to test in any of the drills. You're still recovering from a shoulder injury. Talk to me about how that rehab is going and any of the feedback that you received at your pro day or any of the experience that you received at your pro day. Talk to me about that.
3: Yeah. Um. So obviously, you know, the shoulder's doing great. Um. You know, I'm probably gonna be cleared. You know, hopefully, and by the end of the week or by the end of next week for contact and full go. Um. You know, feel great. Um. You know, basically my whole mobility's back and everything like that. So feels like a good shoulder again. And um. You know, everything's good on that end. And you know, pro day. You know, the feedback that I got was just more that you know I proved what I needed to prove. Um. Especially in the route games and catching the ball. I mean, you know, I think the biggest misconception out there is that you know I'm a one-speed route runner. And I think that's kind of completely false. I think, you know, I can, you know, kind of start and stop pretty well. And I show and I showed that in you know, pro day. And I think, you know, I can, you know, my second level releases are, you know, very crisp and sharp and sudden. So, I mean, I kind of showed that and I showed teams what I was able to do that, that way. So I'm very happy with my performance at Pro Day. I know you're
0: working closely with the Pittsburgh Steelers tight ends, coach. How did yep. that go for you?
3: It was awesome. Yeah, we we talked uh, like two days before that and a couple of weeks prior to that um, a couple of times. So. Um, you know, they're really interested and, and, you know, they're really they're really awesome staff. And you know, I talked to the GM um, a couple of times, you know, at Pro Day and before as well. Same with the head coach. So, um, you know, they're 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 awesome guys and you know, definitely an awesome organization.
0: I mean, I've seen some Heath Miller comps out there in addition to maybe Rob Gronkowski. So you got to love yeah. working with the Steelers group here. So we talked a little bit before we started recording about you know, how exactly you're going to approach putting some testing or measurables out there after your rehab. What's the plan right now in terms of maybe putting some numbers out there for teams?
3: Yeah, so the plan is just to go, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks after I get cleared to, you know, show and you know, go hit the blocking sled and, and go hit some, you know, some sleds. I'll uh, just kind of show, you know, my, my footwork and my explosion off the line, you know, blocking wise and, and show teams that, you know, even though I wasn't able to do that, I'm, I was still working on my footwork um, in the run game and, and pass pro and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just continue to do that. Um, and then I'll probably put together some, you know, some you know 510 fives and broad jumps stuff like that, um, just to show teams and stuff like um what you know, my time and, and and all that. But you know, I haven't been really training for the 40 just because my shoulders, it was hard to, you know, open up with and you know kind of you know let, let it loose for a little bit there. So um we'll see what happens. You know, I'm still gonna work for it, like training for it, but um I don't know if, if it's gonna get done or not.
0: Totally. I mean, that's completely fair. Like we said this again, but like the shoulder injury, it's very difficult to train any part of your body with a shoulder injury. That's uh, mm-hmm. for sure. I want to bring up more. You, know, you talk about hitting the blocking sled. Something that PFF sees is a really big strength in your game is that as the NFL moves more and more towards guys that are 230, 225 pounds at tight end playing in the slot and outside, you are kind of one of those Dimension, two-dimensional tight ends that can actually block and has success, a ton of success as a blocker. Do you feel like that's a big strength for your game or a key separator for you in this class?
3: Oh, for sure. And I especially think, you know, obviously I have versatility to play that Y position, the true Y, like on the line and in the line, stuff like that. But, you know, most teams have seen me as their F tight end you know, the move around and catch balls and stuff. But, you know, the obvious you're saying, you know, in those 12 personnel sets, they can keep me in and, you know, either move me to the Y or stick with me at the F and, you know, accomplish those things that they want to accomplish in the run game. So, you know, I think, you know, it's benefited me, you know, greatly being, you know, asked to do that at Penn State, you know, you know, block really hard and kind of show what I can do, you know, in the blocking game, in the run game at Penn State. So I think teams feel very confident. I'm very confident myself. You know, I'm down to 250 now and I'm probably going to play that, you know, weight, um, you know, in my rookie season. So, I know, I'm very confident I'm going to be able to block at 250 and, you know, kind of move around stuff. So I feel really great right now. And, you know, definitely the film and everything, you know, I've shown that, you know, I'm a two-dimensional tight end.
0: What's wild to me is that when you are, you know, you obviously have a ton of success blocking. You can kind of see that on the film, but I feel like you have that same approach with the ball in your hands. You know, you talk about yak types, guys that can make people miss. You you run through guys, you know, it's similar to what George Kittle and his tight end coach, John Embry tells them in terms of just run through guys, you're bigger, you're faster, all those things. I think you see that on your tape as well. And I think that's where the Gronkowski comps kind of come into play as well. What do you, you what's your mentality when you catch the football, how do you approach yards after the catch at the tight end position?
3: Yeah. So, you know, obviously I know my body and I know who I am. I'm not going to be one of those guys who, you know, hurdles a guy or, you know, kind of, you know, you know, juke some guy out, but you know, I'm going to use my strengths, my ability, you know, I'm going to catch the ball. I'm going to run hard and go out there and kind of try and run someone over and give them a mean stiff arm. So you know, that's kind of the player I am. Um, you know, I'm not going to, like I said, try and hurdle someone, you know, that's not me. If someone goes low on me, I'm going to try and go lower and lower my shoulder and run over them. So I think I have clips doing that. So you know, I just try and be as, ferocious if I can um you know kind of take that run block mentality into you know uh, yards after the catch so you know I definitely kind of use that um to my advantage being uh, more physical
0: some guys that were able to test at Penn State's pro day I'm sure you saw it's on in practice yeah. Jason way defensive end Micah Parsons linebacker and even if you go you know there's more talent there too like Tira Grossmato, Shaka Tony like you have seen a lot of freaks athletic freaks yeah on the defense there at Penn State. talk. To, give me some stories from practice, man. You are going against Parsons, Eter Grossmato, Shaka Tony, Jason Owe all the time. I need some stories.
3: Yeah, um, you know, one thing that really sticks out with me, with Micah was, you know, I, we're, we just put in outside zone this past season. Um, so, you know, I was getting used to it. And, you know, Micah is really, really good at, like, coming up square and then all of a sudden reducing his service area. So, you know, trying to block him in outside zone um, was a pain in the ass just because, you know, hey, he's trying to set the edge and you think you have him, you can drive and block. All of a sudden he, you know, reduces the surface area, gets inside of you and, and gets contained from inside. So, you know, blocking Mike is, is really hard and it's definitely an issue. Um, same with Jason. I mean, me and Jason had battles this year in camp and, and practice just because, you know, we're always going after each other. And, you know, I was always tell Jason kind of, he knew what our plays were. So when he knew when that backside C gap was coming, uh, when I was trying to block that. So he kind of knew. So we would have some battles and he, trying to split the gap and stuff like that so you know those guys are just really smart and great football players same with shocking and um you know i think they made me better you know every single day going against those dns and and those freak linebackers that we recruit at penn state so um you know it's obviously going to help me in in the long run
0: have to man i was talking to brevin jordan of miami and he was talking about (coughs) gregor russo jalen phillips these guys that are just absolute dogs in practice Uh, going back to you a little bit i want to Talk about you know what you do in a given game week in practice and on film to kind of prepare for an opponent. What do you look for on film when you're preparing for a certain opponent in a, in a given game week?
3: Yeah, that's what I think makes me special. Um, you know, I think you know I take I try and be the most prepared guy on the field. Um, you know, at all times. You know, even in practice and, and in games. So you know, I, I take my film study really serious. So um, you know, on Mondays and, and throughout the week, you know, Monday's my day where I just go in and watch film the whole day. So. I go to class early and then I try and get it done early in the morning and I go watch for the rest of the day. So you know, i watch those formation cutups that the coaches make for us. And I just kind of see, you know, what teams do and how they roll coverages and you know who they're going to match with and how they play me a man coverage and their favorite blitz in the front. So I just see the whole picture of it. And I try and pick up on tendencies because at Penn state, we ran a lot of option routes and decide routes and any kind of choice routes um, for the tight end. So just kind of see how they, you know, roll from one high to two high, or two high to one high, just kind of seeing all that rotation to help me, you know, benefit me on my route. So, you know, I take film study and, and all that very serious.
0: And how has that kind of film study or preparation changed in the off season? I'm sure with the shoulder injury, you've had a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. to turn on the film. Were you watching film on yourself, maybe some NFL guys? Uh, what film were you watching this off season?
3: Yeah, I was definitely watching a film on, on myself to see, you know, when teams ask me what I think I'm good at and what I can prove in, you know, Know, go back and actually show them what I mean by you know what I said so you know going back and watching my own film and obviously you know watching NFL greats like Gronk and Kittle and Kelsey and I've been watching some Tyler Eifert a little bit because I've been comped to him a little bit um by NFL teams um what they see and stuff so you know just kind of you know I'm watching them and just seeing how you know take what they do so well and incorporate it in my game
0: yeah Tyler Eifert's another good name to kind of tie mm-hmm. to your you know and stuff are there any other players that in the NFL that you feel like you pattern your game after
3: um yeah, you know, I think Hunter Henry is a good one to, you know, pattern my game after just cuz, you know, he's he's very physical in the run game and he also, you know, he he makes plays in the pass game. I would say you know our athleticism is very similar. Um you know, he's not going to try and hurdle a guy or, you know, kind of, you know, juke someone out and I feel like we're the kind of same, you know, player um in that aspect. So, um you know, I I think you know just watch the film on him.
0: Last question for you, and I really appreciate the time. I like to ask prospects kind of what their motivation or their why is as they kind of continue to make, you know, all the sacrifices necessary to play football, both at the collegiate level and then pursuing a career in the NFL. What would you say your motivation or your why is right now?
3: Yeah, you know, my why and my motivation is just to be, you know, just one of the best tight ends to ever, you know, play the game of football. Um, You know, I think that's always been a goal of mine is to, you know, always be the best at something that I've been doing. So, you know, always have that chip on my shoulder where, you know, I, I'm going to go out and, and act like I'm an under recruited guy or an undervalued guy and kind of disrespected and take that mentality and just go into practice and, and work like I'm, you know, not the starting tight end or, you know, I'm blasting the depth chart. I always take that mentality in every single practice because, you know, I feel like me and myself, that's what makes me better. And that's what makes the team better is when I'm at my best is when I have that chip on my shoulder. So just try and find all the motivation I can um, and push myself to become one of those best tight ends that, you know, ever play the game of football. Fantastic stuff, man. Really
0: appreciate the time, and I wish you the best of luck moving forward.
3: Hey, thank you. appreciate it.
0: Now joining two-point drafts is former Tennessee wide receiver Josh Palmer, also a PFF favorite, man. My co-host, Mike Renner, doesn't do the interviews with me, but a big fan of your game, sees you as one of the better receivers that not enough people are talking about. It's great to have you on the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having
0: me. Absolutely, man. Let's go, go back and look at your pro day just a little bit. I think it was a few days ago and up uh weighing in what? Six foot one, 40 yard dash, four two five short shuttle, six nine, eight, that sub seven three cone everyone loves to see. How do you feel like you did? And what was some of the feedback you had from teams at your pro day?
2: Mm-hmm. I felt like I did I did good. You know, I hit I hit all the marks that I wanted to hit when I went there, all my goals that I had. Um, you know, I just went in there with the mindset just to look, just to let my training speak for itself. You know, uh, I feel Tony, Tony, Tony and Matt back at, back at XPE did a great job prepared, helping me prepare for, for everything. Um, Anquan had a, Anquan Bolden, my receiver coach did a great job helping me. And it was just, it was just something that I just was, I, I was, I took very serious and I was just trying to perform as best as I could. And, you know, I got, I got good feedback from the coaches really just saying I did a good job. I was trying to get my official the whole t- my official 40 the whole time. And, uh, They were just saying, don't worry about it. You ran fast enough. Like, like, that was just really so happy.
0: The pro day times, man, it's wild. And Twitter is just losing their mind at every single 40 time they see, man. Yeah, the official times, it's tough to find. But um, I'm interested to know, because you're you also at the Senior Bowl down there in Mobile, so you've had more opportunities to talk with coaches, talk with scouts, and talk with teams probably than some of the other prospects in this draft class. What have been some common themes in terms of feedback that you've gotten from teams from your, or on your game or maybe where they want to play you in the NFL, how they view you as a prospect? I'd be interested to know like some of the common things that you're hearing from teams.
2: Uh, a lot of them really just saying how I could play inside and out, which just something I try to pride myself on. My my wide receiver coach at Tennessee, T. Martin, would tell us that you know X's and Z's and F's don't get drafted. Wide receivers get drafted. Nice. So just know, just knowing the position, the ins and outs of the position, just knowing everything about it
0: yeah I think that's great man versatility is massive in today's NFL you see some of the best receivers in the NFL Michael Thomas Tyreek Hill Stefan Diggs Devontae Adams they're working in and out of the slot all day long Mm. I think you saw Michael Thomas a few years ago more than 50% of his reps were in the slot I think it's offensive coordinators yeah I mean offensive coordinators are just looking for how do I put my best receiver in the best position to win and I think getting those guys in the slot definitely makes sense I want to go back to a specific matchup man this is the, the, one of my, my favorite tapes to watch is you versus Patrick Sertan this past year. I think you were one of the only receivers, in my opinion, to beat him vertically. I mean, Patrick Sertan has long speed. He has the length. He has the physicality. One of the best cornerbacks in this draft. One of the best quarterbacks in the country. And you were mm-hmm. still able to beat him down the football field vertically. Talk to me specifically about that matchup, how that went for you, and um, your 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 opinion on Sertan's game and, and just what went into that matchup.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, just going into the matchup, uh, just I just uh, – Attacked it like how I attack any any other game, any other DB I'm going against. Watch their film, watch their watch their techniques, look at things I can attack. Uh, I learned my freshman year from my, my first wide receiver coach, Kevin Beard, he would tell us that to a certain extent, all DBs play the same. And it's just a different jersey that's in front of you. So you just have to try and find those similarities and how you can beat those similarities. It's always, And I try to look at things that what can I do in order to win if I ever lost? It was like, what didn't I do to help me win? things of that nature um but you know pat's a great corner um he's long and he's fast and he can play the ball well in the air which i don't know if a lot of people noticed that but he can play the ball very well he made a he made a uh, he had a nice pbu where he reached with his opposite hand that they don't even teach dbs to break up the balls with. It's insane
0: broken. dude you know
2: it'll be there would be some like a balls in the air and i have the ball in my in my hand and it just pokes out and i said there's no way he got to the ball with yeah, he was. He's a great corner. I, it was a great matchup between us.
0: I mean, he's got that former NFL player son ball skills. You know, where like he's been playing with a football since he was like five years old. I he yeah. told me. I'm interested in your perspective. Let's get let's get the real answer here. He told me he doesn't talk a lot of trash. Is that
2: true? Nah, he doesn't. Yeah. he Okay. Doesn't.
0: Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm just making sure. Yeah. Some of these corners, man. Some of these corners, are like yeah, I don't talk trash. And then you hear receivers are like, no, that guy talks the entire
2: game. <laughs> no, nah, it, was, was it was a pretty it was a pretty quiet game between us because I don't I don't talk trash neither. So mm-hmm. uh, it was just who, a who are some?
0: Quiet- who are some corners in the SEC that do talk trash? I want to find the dogs out there. Who are the guys that are barking all game long?
2: Uh, J.C. Horn definitely does talk trash. <laughs> yeah, That's good def- He definitely talks trash. Um, other ones really don't really talk. in Israel. Israel really talks talk trash, too. I trained with him at XPE. Nice. Um, but, you know, not a, not a lot of guys talk trash. Uh, I definitely don't talk trash, as Pat doesn't. So that was a pretty quiet game. It was just us two, two guys focusing on how to beat each other.
0: Yeah, talk about uh, length, man. Israel Mukoamu, dude, that guy's long and tall. He's got a ton of length, man. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what's your opinion on that part of the game, though? I, when I talk to wide receivers and corners, I talk to tackles and pass rushers where you see so many one-on-ones. You know, those positions specifically see a ton of one-on-ones with the same player consistently to where there becomes or develops this mental side of the game where talking trash or finding your little edges can, like, help with that. Do, so you obviously said you don't talk trash, but what's your opinion on that overall and that, that aspect of the game?
2: Uh, Like trash talking? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it works if you're able to get into your opponent's head. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if if you can't, then I just feel like... um, I mean, here's all I see. it: Some guys talk trash, so it forces them to play better. Yeah. Or they talk trash to try and get in somebody else's head. But if they can't get in the other person's head, then it's just... It's just what it is. It's just you're just gonna have to, you're just gonna have to just keep talking trash because it doesn't get to some people.
0: It's Very true. I mean, I talk trash more than I wish I did in playing just random <laughs> drinking games on the weekend. But let's not get into yeah. that. Uh, you you mentioned some cool things about you know how you prepare for each receipt or each cornerback and how you prepare for each game. Talk to me more about what goes into a given game week and what you're looking for on film when you're preparing for a certain defensive back or a certain defense.
2: Mm, I first thing I watch is how they their stance really if they. If them, if if it's themselves or the defense that makes them have a certain shade, you know some DBs play say shade outside because they don't want to get beat deep. Some DB shade inside. Some DBs uh they like to shuffle out, shuffle like shuffle out and keep playing your upfield shoulder. Some guys don't. Some guys have heavy feet and don't move. Some guys don't shoot with their hands. Some guys take that first inside step. Some guys step with their with their outside foot. So it's just those little things that you know you got. You have to have counters for that you see, which you have to know you can take advantage of. Um, so that's that's really what I watch on film, just trying to look at every single thing from the DBs, and I'll even talk to the DBs on my team and ask them how to how to beat because they also play the same techniques yeah. right, to a certain extent. So
3: that's uh, how I try to
2: attack everything, and then I just watch. I try to watch a well, I don't try. I do watch a different NFL receiver every week uh, just to see what he does in his games and how I can implement it into my game.
0: Oh wow, I have actually I actually haven't heard that man. Who are some of your favorites to watch? Julio and Devontae. Yeah, that's what I
2: watch if I if I can't if I can't find a receiver I want to watch I just those are my go-tos but I usually try to find one new receiver every week that I watch
0: that's cool man that's really cool I think that's going to help you out a ton in terms of just seeing how different guys win and I mean look at PFFs <laughs> you look at PFFs draft guide one of the strengths that we have for you is that you have you win in multiple ways you're not just a pure burner you don't win specifically just on the outside or the inside you can win with different releases when you can win against off coverage those those the, the versatility in being able to win at the wide receiver position I think is underrated when you're when it, when teams are looking for just pure speed guys or pure yak guys and that type of stuff. So I definitely think that is something that we see as strength for you. Do you feel like that versatility in how to win and that versatility in alignment is kind of what separates you in
2: this class? Mm, yeah, I feel so. It was just really something that I take a lot of pride in, and I, I work extremely hard in order to do it. So that's just something that I will continue to keep growing on and learning from, from veterans in the league.
0: Are there, are there any NFL players, you say you watch a different receiver every single week, are there any players in the NFL that you feel like from an athleticism and size standpoint kind of match what you can do and you kind of try to pattern your game after?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. I don't really know yet in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of who I try to like, who was built like me and stuff like that. But I definitely do try to take things from other like – Keenan Allen, Julio, Devontae, uh Antonio Brown. It's just things that I things that I look for. Like when I need to improve on something, I find the best receiver who could do it in the league and try to and try to learn from what they do.
0: Yeah, a little bit of a tangent here, but um, I, I was looking into your background, and you know, I think it says in your Tennessee bio, according to Tennessee's official athletic site, both of your parents are of Jamaican descent. You were born in mm-hmm. Ontario, Canada, and you grew mm-hmm. up playing basketball. You grew up playing basketball and didn't really get serious about football until ninth grade. One, let's start here. What position were you playing in basketball and describe your game? Were you a dunker? Were you a slasher, three-way, three-and-D type of guy? I need to know where you're at on the court. Uh, Two, uh, what what got you into football and when did you really feel like, okay, football is the path I'm going to take?
2: So, to answer the second question, I played three sports growing up. I played soccer, basketball, and football all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I was really just juggling sports, uh, you know, sacrificing some sports to play the other sport in that season. And... When I finally got to my sophomore year, going into my sophomore year of high school, that's when I was leaning more towards football because I always knew football came more natural. Mm-hmm. And the thing with basketball, it started to click, but it started to click too late for when I when I was when I was finally deciding that football was going to be my sport. So that's when I retired basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and the positions I played, I was I mean I played the guard. Just played the guards uh, when I was younger. Obviously, I was I was a little taller than most. Until they started to, until those guys I started to play with, you know, started to tower over me, uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, was, I played the guard back in my high school. When I was playing at, but I did play at St. Thomas Aquinas when I transferred. Gotcha.
0: And, yeah. Any, any? you have any opportunities at
2: Tennessee to get some hoops going with the team? Uh, no, I didn't. I was invited one time to play with them at the T-Rex. Uh, when Admiral was there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Admiral Schofield is a uh, like Kyle Alexander. Yeah, he played at Tennessee. He's from he's from Toronto, so. They would just tell me come to the T-Rex, but I never really had time to because we had practice and stuff. Yeah, would
0: have, would have loved to seen that, my friend. I'm sure you're pretty good at soccer as well. Playing soccer growing up that helps with your feet
2: a ton. That's well, awesome I, to hear. I was, man. A, I was a goalkeeper.
0: Oh really? You know who yeah. actually? You know who was also a goalkeeper? Mike Renner, my podcast co-host, was a goalkeeper. He oh, says really? he was. He says he was the best goalkeeper. Not nah, not buying it, buddy. Ease <laughs> up. Ease up. That guy sucked. He didn't even play football in high school. Either way, I,
2: um, I actually had. a I actually had a chance to. Uh, I got I got invited to move to Europe when I was younger. Oh really? But I didn't really like the sport that much, so I didn't really want to do all that. Dude, goalkeeper.
0: I mean, that that's a, gotta be a tough gig, you know. You're just not involved enough. I feel like I would struggle. I want to be like more involved. Yeah. And and I think that's probably
2: the biggest one of the biggest reasons why I ended up like fall like not liking it because mm-hmm. I was always on like good teams and because I was a good goalkeeper. Um, the ball really came on my side of the field, and if it did, it was just an easy defense. And then I would just stand in the in the net and just have. Mosquitoes attack me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's I mean that's just the life of a good goalkeeper, I guess, man. And that's just not what I want to live. Um, really appreciate you diving into that, man. I'd love to hear you know to finish the uh, finish the interview. And I ask a lot of prospect that, uh, prospects. This is kind of what is your motivation to continue to play football at this level? Obviously, make the sacrifices necessary to play college football to pursue an NFL career. What is your motivation or your why to kind of continue to play this game mm-hmm. at such a high level?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, two reasons. I'm really that I really developed this self-motivation uh, where I just try to compete with myself. So that just keeps me motivated in itself. Like if I don't feel like, for example, if I don't feel like going to shoot jugs, I've learned that when you don't feel like doing something is the best time to do it. And then I just always compete with my conscience. Like, yeah, my conscience, I like, I don't know. It's just, it's just it, I don't know. I just really compete with myself and be like, if yeah. I'm not catching the jug, someone is, mm-hmm. Um, and then really just my, my cousin, my, the oldest cousin in the family was, uh, he moved down, he did the exact same thing, or I did the exact same thing as him, where I moved down to Fort Lauderdale to live with my aunt and uncle. He lived with the same aunt and uncle. He went to a different school for basketball. I went to a different school for football. He was getting offers and stuff. And then one day he woke up and there was like no circulation going to his leg. Oh shit. So it, uh, ruined his basketball career and the years later down the road, I'm put in the same exact position, but for football. So that's why I started to take that personally. And that was it almost felt like I was there to finish what he couldn't.
0: Man, that that's awesome to hear, man. Two really, really good reasons to be, you know, intrinsically motivated to do something that is so hard, you know, that only like, mm-hmm. what, less than 0.5% of the people in the world can do. So that's awesome, man. really appreciate you uh, diving into that. And I um, wish you the best of luck
2: moving forward. Thank you.
0: <sighs> that's going to do it for this episode of 2 for 1 Drafts. Make sure you sign... What subscribe, rate, review, listen, download, subscribe again, do everything, comment, do everything you can to this podcast because the more Austin you support it. Send me a DM if you want to. Anything you'd like to do, please do it. Support the podcast, support two for one drafts. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, producer Mike Quinn, producer David Sofaro, two for one drafts.